whistle blows and the puck goes down the ice. The goalie jumps and the players bump and the fans all go insane. Someone roars. There's a good old hockey game tonight. It's a big one. The semis. Golden Knights and the Habs. T-Mobile Arena. Not going to be slush, right? And no, they've done a pretty good no, job No, the ice, here. the ice yeah. do an unbelievable job. No, they do because it's it you're right, hot. Brian. It's 115 outside, and and there and there is virtually no slush at uh, at T-Mobile. I, I'm, no. Hats off to those guys. You know, and I don't really think anybody ever. Chirped about the ice conditions. I don't remember anyone doing that. No, it's pretty amazing. This is going to be a fun hour for us. We've got a great guest. He's been very kind with his time. Friend of the program, John Forslund, who's going to be calling this series on NBC Sports Network tonight and throughout the series. And we're going to dive in with John. But here we go. Semi, Steve. A lot of stuff going on. Spin the wheel of Terrible Herbs. Just say this right out of the gate. The $1,000 VGK game day giveaways out there for you. Spin the wheel. Great prize package. It's unbelievable. John Smith subs. They'll feed you for the game. Mention the hat trick special. Sub sandwich. Sub fries drink. 20% off. Right. And Adam S. Cutner on Twitter. When they're on the power play, you can win tickets to a future Golden Knights game. So a lot of cool things in play. In addition to the hockey game. You can check out the game at Oasis tonight if you like. Oh, they'll be out and about. They'll be... The whole... Honestly, the whole valley is going to be going nuts. And on Friday, you'll be going nuts over at sunset. Game three hockey watch party when the Golden Knights hit the road up to Montreal. So we'll be at Sunset Station Club Madrid. What do you say? A Ryan Reeves autographed jersey yeah. given away for you know, sign up for the mobile app. All right. Watch out for That's going to be great fun Friday Oops. night. We look forward to it. But first things first, two games at T-Mobile Arena. And we're thrilled. He's calling this series. He does an amazing job. John Forslund. In Las Vegas, uh, you're not like, you know, you do the radio show with us, right? I mean, what were you going to do? Go jogging? <laughs> <laughs> not for long if I did. Yeah, not for long. <laughs> Race walking. Hi, Brian. How are you, John? I'm great. I'm great. Happy to be here and looking forward to this uh, series, which has a lot of story attached to it and can't wait to get it started. Let me start with you because... What's it like when you get the assignment and you're calling this series? It's like, so you jump in knee-deep, but you've got access to the guys. You're going to be traveling. You're going to get the the vibe. And I mean, in a, in a weird way, do you actually feel like you're part of the series? You do. Um, you know, from a, from a voyeur standpoint, I mean, complete outsider. Um, looking at it, I just came off a very physical, intense series between the Bruins and the Islanders. Uh, two rabid fan bases. Uh, both buildings were electric, but the Nassau Coliseum, it was just completely off the charts right now. And then we come here, and uh, the fans here have proven to be among the best in the National Hockey League. The atmosphere is among, if not the best, in the National Hockey League inside T-Mobile Arena. So when you, when you come into a series, what we're looking for tonight is what comes from the other side and, and what kind of push will the Canadians bring, how will they play, can they continue to write their story, which is amazing. As you know, they've won seven games in a row. They came from the dead to overcome the Maple Leafs. They, they made quick work of Winnipeg uh, from the goal out. They're strong. They're really good defensively. And uh, it'll be interesting to see in the first game, for teams who haven't seen each other, I think, in 16 months, how this goes down. 
and uh, that adds to the intrigue. The good thing for them, I think, you know, a few extra days to get away from a potential letdown after beating and making the great comeback against Toronto. But you think about this team in coming out of the north, I mean, they're on fire up in Montreal. But here they come into this series and the odds and everything saying these guys are really up against it. You know all these teams. My God, Pete DeBoer was playing the woe is me, we're the underdog card against Colorado. What are they saying in the Montreal locker room? Well, there's nothing to say really but enjoy yourselves. And I I think that's dangerous, you know. That's that's when, it it, you know, these teams are close. I understand the type of regular season Vegas had and understand their great record. And, you know, they were tied with Colorado, and Colorado won the tiebreaker. So there's your president's trophy. And because this season was all surrounding divisional play, I think we're we're, we're kind of um, caught up in in records and superlatives and how teams played. But remember, it was only within a specific division. Same can be said for the Canadians. But the Canadians went through torture during the regular season. Um, They had some COVID issues. They, they were not very good at times. They were under severe pressure by the local media to fire Bergevin, the, the general manager. They did fire the coach. Uh, Carey Price isn't what he used to be. He's overpaid. And all these narratives started to pop up. And then they started to put it together and make their push to make the playoffs. And in and around there, don't forget that the North Division was coast to coast. Like, the travel was extensive for those teams. So it's a little bit different than where I'm coming from, uh, you know, covering the Eastern Division, where for a lot of those teams it was a cab ride, especially in the New York metro area, right? So it's different. Um, and the Canadians went through all of that, and then they're left for dead against the Maple Leafs, and there's absolutely no way they're going to come back in the series and look what happened. And they haven't looked back since, and they haven't lost the lead. They haven't played from behind, uh, going all the way back to Game 4 of the first round. And that's amazing. So I know Pete, Pete DeBoer respects them. He respects their team game. He respects their defense. They're going to miss Jeff Petrie if he doesn't play tonight, but they've got strong defense and an all-world goaltender. This may be matched by an all-world goaltender at the other end, so this is going to be a great series. This may sound odd, but in a weird way, I think the Canadians and the Golden Knights will get a big push from the fans. There's no doubt about that. Yeah. But I think the Canadians, you know, they had whatever. They got to the point where maybe 4,000, 4,500 were there. I think the Canadians will like relish this atmosphere going, my God, we're hockey players. This is what we're supposed to be playing in. Yeah, you know, the, the, the small gathering they had was first-line workers at first, and then it was, I believe, 2,500 fans. But, you know, every player says the same thing along the way here. As soon as fans are introduced back into their buildings, it's a shot of adrenaline. And that's why I think the playoffs have been special league-wide this year because the fans have come back. And they've added so much to the game. And we'll never forget how important they are. And, and you say this because I thought coming off the 05, 06, uh, first season back from the canceled season in 04, 05, that we would never take fans for granted again. That was many, many years ago. I think over time it's probably natural. But now when you see the fans come back after this pandemic, it's lifted the players up to a new level. It's re-energized the players. Now, there is some rumor. Uh, that the Canadians might enhance their capacity. To what level, I don't know, but Friday night we could see more than that. And uh, whatever it is in Bell Center will just create this magical atmosphere will just add to the series. Hey, John, I think the Montreal calling card is its defense. Carey Price in net and yeah. the defense in front of him. Uh, we'll see how Jeff Petrie may affect that. But recently they've got their offense going. How have they got their offense activated, John? What's different? 
Well, like most teams, it's a great question. Like most teams, they've gone to a four-line approach. If you can get contribution from your fourth line, not just banging, but but goal scoring, timely goal scoring, you know, all of a sudden you're on to something. And, you know, they, they had Corey Perry from the start of the season. They pick up Eric Stahl from uh, from uh, Buffalo. He scores an overtime goal in his first game, and, and he only had two goals in 21 games with the Canadians in the regular season. But now in the playoffs, it's gone to another level. And that fourth line of Stahl, Perry, and Yoel Armia have given uh, Dominic Ducharme uh, uh, a really good fourth line with experience with Stanley Cup pedigree attached to it. That's something. So they, they roll out four lines. They play a strong team game defensively. They like to slow you down through the middle of the ice, which will be a, a tall task against the Golden Knights, right? The Golden Knights are, are great through the middle. Transitional speed is great. The way they move as a group is great. They like to jump other teams and get, get in their face, uh, you know, on the forecheck and all of that. But the key here is that Montreal can dictate a little bit of pace. Their defensemen have played great. Uh, Weber is back to the old Shea Weber. Ben Sherratt has been a force. Uh, Joel Edmondson, plus 28, was fifth best in the NHL this season. Uh, he has been an excellent addition with, with a Stanley Cup pedigree, too. Petrie's the key because he brings so much offense along with a strong defensive game and leadership. And if he doesn't play tonight, that's a void. They didn't have him for the fourth game against Winnipeg, but it's a different animal. Um, so, But my point is that they're very good, and they're very good that way if they play the game on their terms, which allows Price to dictate something. And that's another situation. Once he starts to play an A-level game for Carey Price, it's it's unmatched, really. You know, any hockey series, they kind of organically grow and turn into something, but there's usually subplots somewhere along the way. You got Pacioretty, the former Habs captain. You got Suzuki, uh, the high-end prospect here who's thriving now with the Canadians. And then you get the coaching change for the Habs, John, with Ducharme. What is it? about hockey specifically, when teams make a change midseason, that these teams go on run and many, and many times have actually won the cup after, I mean, Barube's the most recent one, and there, there's numerous ones we could cite. Well, you could you could go in your own backyard, right? I mean, Gerard Gallant's a great coach. Still is, will be. Um, four years of existence of this franchise, you've already had two great coaches. And then DeBoer comes in. And, and brings a you know Steve Spot with him, and and away you go. New program, same result, and and for them they're hoping they get it all. Um, but Pete's been there and back. I mean, he, he went to the final with the Devils in twelve. He went to the final with the Sharks in sixteen. Excellent coach. And in the Canadians' case, uh, it, it's interesting. I saw them come together firsthand in the bubble last summer. Uh, you know, no one gave them a, a hope or anything against Pittsburgh in a qualifier, and they did away with them in four games. And then they took Philadelphia to six, and that was a good Philadelphia team last year from the goal out. They were, they were not anything like what they rolled out this year. They were good. And, and it was a tough series, and, you know, they lose Brendan Gallagher, got cross-checked by Matt Niskanen, you'll recall, and it was, it was really a, a, an opportunity for Suzuki, Kakaniemi, and these younger players to kind of burgeon a little bit. It gave the Canadians hope, but Bergevin, the GM, realized, you know what, we gotta we got to add something to this. So good on him. I mean, he goes up and gets to Foley. He adds Josh Anderson. He brings in Joel Edmondson. Jake Allen, they needed goaltending support this year. They have a legitimate support goalie. Um, you know, uh, add that to the mix and a healthy Shea Weber and the rest of them. Um, you know, you've got these great stories, but 
Um, you know, I think Ducharme was it was timely. Uh, Claude had wore out his welcome. It was it was growing old with the younger players. I'm not 100% sure what the recipe has been for Ducharme because it was a mixed bag throughout most of the regular season, and then you have this spike at the end to get in and this spike at the end of the first round to do what they're doing. But when, just watching their games as an independent observer, I mean, he's a meticulous coach who, who's paid his dues. Like he, he was an excellent junior coach for a long time, Canadian national junior coach and all of that. He knows how to put a, a game plan in place. He knows how to attack an opponent. And uh, that's what they're going to rely upon. But I think most importantly, it's Carey Price. It's their linchpin defenseman. And it's this experience that has surrounded their youth that have, that, that have helped. And, and Gallagher, I put Gallagher in the same class with the Stalls and the Perrys and these other players that, that, that surround their younger guys. Um, and, you, and you have it. And then you get Toffoli, who scored 28 goals. And that was a great addition. John Forslund's going to be calling the series Golden Knights and Canadians kind enough to join us on Vegas Hockey Hotline. And I'm, you know, I'm really happy, seriously, for the Canadians, for their fans, because it's pretty much at the 11th hour. We spent the better part of three, four months saying this is the poor representative out of the North is probably going to have to come down and play in Arizona or in LA or God knows where. Thankfully, they're able to play at home. Now, for you guys, you, Joe Micheletti, Pierre, you're going to be able to get up there. What are all the protocols and what's in play for you guys to be able to pull this off? Yeah, we're under tight protocols, and it was an agreement that was reached with the Canadian government to allow this. Number one, the only way we're going to travel in and out of Montreal is a private charter plane. That's the only way they're allowing it, like the teams do. And then in in, in each hotel, it's a specific hotel. Um, designated for elite personnel who are involved in this series, and we've been asked to lock down and, and have daily testing, and we're really not allowed to leave our rooms, which is uh, a tall order in Las Vegas, right? Like that's uh, that really you talk about temptation. It's, uh, you're outside the candy store. <laughs> oh, you're, you're even oh, you're fun. even doing that here. Yeah, no, we have to do it here. Yeah, we have to do it here, and in, of course in Montreal. But yes, we have to do it here. So um, you know, we just have to look forward to the games. And then the and the off days will be difficult, but unfortunately, Brian, I'm I'm used to it. I, if this series goes a long way, if it's a couple of weeks, uh, you put all the days together of isolation. I'm going to have a full month of my life um, isolated, uh, concluding the first two weeks in March of 2020. The Rudy Gobert situation, the mm-hmm. five days of total lockdown before the bubble That's right. started in uh, Toronto, and now this. So uh, hey. This is the best that we can do, and I think it's great just to get back into Montreal, get in the Bell Center. I would hate to call any portion of this series off a monitor. That would be an injustice to the fans, I think, because I think we bring more when we're in the building. Uh, at least that's our hope. And, and I mean, that, that's what you try to transmit is the excitement of these series, you know, through the television to those watching. And, and for you know, Vegas fans, you know, when, when we get to Montreal, uh, it's going to be a special atmosphere, and it will be here. I mean, this is going to be. It was great to watch the Colorado series and how well the Golden Knights played in that series. Back backdrop was, of course, the great crowd at T-Mobile. So, yeah, we're uh, we're we're happy to do this for the for the good of it all. So that we can do what we need to do, and others from the league uh, who are directly involved in the series, the league staff, and all that are trying to pull this off. They're under that too and the other series is not you know I, I just came off the east and we were allowed to do whatever we wanted in both Boston mm-hmm. and Long Island you know good on the league in that hey Tampa Bay won the cup last year it was the bubble there, there's no asterisk attached to that 
No. Then this year we get the realignment with you're only playing within your division and the 56 games with the truncated schedule and everything they went through, John. You know, in some respects, the players may tell you it was every bit as hard, if not harder, than an 82-game schedule, packing all these games in from a, from an injury point of view. But yeah. good, good on the NHL. They've actually been able to do this, back-to-back years, pull this off with no, again, no asterisk. There's nothing but integrity to it. They're absolutely right. As a matter of fact, you, I would throw three stars next to each season and say that they were, they were special because of these reasons. And first of all, uh, you have to respect the players who are able to go through this. And, you know, of course, the bailout on all of this stuff always is, well, they're highly paid. What are we feeling sorry for them for? And they'll be the first people to tell you that. But it's a a tough game to play, as you know. And it's even tougher emotionally, mentally, and very hard on players, especially young players, to be isolated. For instance, you know, you have a bad game and you can't, go with your teammates after that game you're going back to a room in most cases you have in all the cases i believe this season they all had single rooms right because of the covid so you go back to that room and god forbid you get on social media and you hear all that stuff coming back some players are talking about this chris wagner of the bruins just talked about this in an article the other day about the anxiety he had this year um because of that it's way different than going out blowing off a little steam after the game, forgetting about it, wiping the slate clean, and then going to practice the next day and starting over. That's human. That's natural. Last season, I was amazed in the bubbles. The players, the coaches, uh, and especially the the Tampa Bay crew, um, John Cooper would always talk about that there was, most importantly, you could not celebrate the good feelings of a playoff win with anybody you feel for, and you didn't get the support from your family when you really needed it. If you're a head coach, you lose a home playoff game. You go home to your house. Usually, if you have a dog, the dog treats you and doesn't know the score of the game, and you're all good right there, right? <laughs> They're people. But you have your wife and your kids, unless they turn your back on you, but usually they support you. Um, but it's different. You can you can get away from it mentally. Under those conditions in both Toronto and Edmonton, the players could never get away from the game. And so I don't want fans to lose sight of that. Um, you know, No one's looking to be a hero here, but I'm just telling you it's different. I'm telling you, they deserve a lot of credit, and you're right. The league deserves a lot of credit, and hopefully we're going to get to normalcy in October, get back to 82 games, get back to a real schedule, bring in a new team, and off we go. Well, you know what? Just let's go there because a new journey is about to begin for you. Let's get a cup handed out. How excited are you, the Seattle gig and moving up there and and basically – Starting over, which I think a jump start and a new team coming in, but you personally, how excited are you? I'm very excited um, because at the stage of my career, my my life, I I didn't expect to get this opportunity. Um, it was it was difficult to to go through the process I did in order to be in a position to take this job, but things happen for a reason, and I'm I'm very excited to to get to the city, which I will as soon as the playoffs are over, and and see the lay of the land there and take a look at. You know what the arena looks like and the practice facility and all the things that were so exciting when this franchise, you know, hit the ground running. And they're looking to do the same thing there. And I, I, I know a lot of the people. Obviously, I have a, a connection from my years in Carolina with Ron Francis, and I know that he's going to do a really good job to build that organization the right way, as he did in Carolina. Doesn't get much credit for it anymore, but he did great work there. Um, you know, rebuilding it. And, and on the business side, Todd Lightwicky has 
done a, has done a, such a great job with other franchises, other situations in the NHL, Minnesota, Tampa Bay, Seattle Seahawks. Um, you know, his resume is, is long and, and rich and, and with success. And, and I think they're going to be a, a model team to look at. And so it's very exciting when this happens. And it's exciting for the other 31 markets because you'll get to see the Seattle Kraken with their new unis and uh, a new look for the first time when we, like when we come to Las Vegas. Uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. Year five for the Golden Knights and year one for the Kraken. You can't beat that. And you may have friends joining you up there, John. I don't expect you to speak to this, but <laughs> you, you knew it was coming. <laughs> yeah. Bre- Bre- Brenda well, Moore worry. and Francis have a relationship, and why yeah. Carolina hasn't already locked him up is beyond well, me, but why they let you go is also beyond me. Yeah, well, there's, there's the, that's it. That's it. That's the question, and if you have a question, I'm, not, I'm excluding myself, but if you have a question about a head coach who's done what he's done and the attachment to that franchise and the significance he's had for that franchise in that market, if you're even debating a contract, you've got a problem. This guy should have been extended during the regular season. And, and this, it's, a, it's really a, a unfortunate, for lack of a better word, that he's in this position. They might work it out. It sounds like they may. Uh, only going by the reports that I read, and I, I'm, I'm very distant from that organization now, but to hear some things about him trying to take care of staff, getting their salaries where they need to be, contracts in order before he, before he says yes, is, is, that too is unfortunate. That shouldn't happen. should be a slam dunk. They're back to being relevant again. They've got people in the building. It's full. Uh, pandemic aside, the Carolina Hurricanes are back. But in this league, if you screw up a couple of decisions with players, and in this case the head coach, you could be back to where you were very quickly because the league top to bottom has tremendous parity. So that's interesting. It's going to be interesting to watch. They've got the Hamilton contract. Every single contract seems to be an issue with one determining factor in place. And so that's what's happening there. Uh, let's see if they, they do work it out. Because, again, he is a fabulous well, coach that these players love to play for. You're around him every day. We only get the yeah. handful of opportunities to be a fly on the wall. And the two that stick out to me is was still one of the most remarkable things uh, I've ever seen when they're playing the game in Toronto and lost both goalies. I was calling yeah. some sportsbook director friends go, boys, you better get that off the board because they're going to score 10 goals in the third period. And the Zamboni driver wins the game. Carolina played that game like it was game seven in overtime at the Stanley Cup. It was remarkable. And then for Brindamore to come in in his post-game speech in there, and then it was what, just a week or ten days ago when he won on his dad's birthday and he's in the, and he's working a room other than he's cursing him to his mom on the phone. Jeez, coach. But I'm telling you, you, you look at he just looks like a guy you'd skate through a wall for. Yeah, and the other thing about Roddy is he, he really gets – today's players the younger players he has an ability to communicate the right way which is really important um these players today the younger ones especially are way different than the older generation of players so long gone are the days where they all come report for training camp and just because you're the head coach and you tell them to do this they're going right through the wall for you just because you said so they ask questions they want to know why they have to be given information he's really good at, at getting that um, you know, he, he's got kids in that same generation uh, that he has raised, so he understands where they're coming from. I love uh, the younger players today because of that. Um, I, I think we're really blessed to have this generation of player coming because um, they want to know. They want to know answers. They want to get medical answers to whatever's wrong with them. They take great care of their bodies 
individually. They can hire the best coaches. They can get the proper nutrition. They can do all of these things. And you see it in every sport now. So, so good. And you have to adjust with your coaches. And the coaches today that can do that, there's still some hardliners in the business that get a lot out of these players. There's no doubt about that. But I think we're, we're turning the page on a lot of that. Rod, Rod has, a, has a blend of all of it. And so when he demands, there's respect. And so he can give it to them and get a result without the players turning a deaf ear or losing respect for the coach. And then the room is divided. And then that's where you see it break down. And that's where you see coaching changes. John, what do you think is realistic? Because, I mean, we go the way back machine, you know, when expansion teams come in, you know, you're just going to get beat down and it would take years and you find ways to build it. It would be completely unfair to hold the crack into the feet of the Golden Knights flame in the first year. That was a Disney movie. If you're a general manager in this league, they mean for the most part they should be saying, here's my list of 10 guys, lose my phone number. But they're calling Ron Francis, and they're going to be guys that can't help themselves. I've seen a number put up that's semi-realistic, 63.5 points you know, for them in their first year. But clearly the kind of dough you're spending to get in the league, the league has given... Vegas, and they're going to give Seattle at least the chance to field like really competitive teams. But what's realistic? Realistic, I would think, for them to have the same type of mindset the Golden Knights had from the beginning. I just heard an interview with Bill Foley about this, where he said that you know he was going through his projections of what he felt would be good on the first day that Mark Andre Fleury was introduced to the market here. And, and uh, you know, he said, you know, by year three we should get in, and year six I hope to be competing for the Cup. And Fleury said, why not year one? <laughs> and, and, and you know what? That is true because you can compete. And I think what the message should be, uh, and I think Ronnie would agree with this, is compete and, and, and be on a place way different than Minnesota, Ottawa, Columbus, uh, Florida Panthers, who came in in their first season, actually really good. Um, but it was that was a kind of a fluke. If you were an expansion team in that era in the 90s, you had five years of misery awaiting you because the league was unbalanced. The league is tight. The players you are acquiring off these lists are decent players, and some are very good that just need an opportunity, right? You look at the, the Misfits line here. Uh, those three guys, you know, Carlson, Marcheseau, and, and, and Riley Smith, were not, you know, anywhere near where they're at now when they were available. Maybe Carlson. Maybe Carlson was showing that he could be a great three center in the National Hockey League. But Marcheseau was, you know, had his moments, and there were, you know, he's a one-way guy, and he could get a few points for you. And Riley Smith, the same thing. They're still together. They're still an impactful line. There's great line in the National Hockey League. So my point here is that you can get in the mix. You look at the division they're going to be in, they're not going to be in a division with a, a lot of teams that are cycling to the highest level. There are teams that have cycled back and are trying to recover. The three California teams, I mean, they're rebuilding. I don't know. I think you can get in there and compete and make some noise and try to make the playoffs. And and if you do that in your first season and you get in, anything's possible. It's hey. proven. You just have to make the NHL playoffs. That's all you have to do as a team, and then anything's possible. I'll, Far uh, different than these other leagues. Seattle's ahead of Vegas already in that. Vegas picked sixth. Couldn't have drawn worse in the lottery. Seattle picked second. And right. they're going to get a you know a phenomenal player. I, I, I don't know if the Sabres trade down out of there. They need forwards. I mean, the Owen Power is the, the stud defenseman. 
Buffalo could go off the board and take the forward. Yeah, I mean, either way, you're, I think you're getting a cornerstone player, so that's a running head start for them. Yeah, he's Ronnie's in a really good spot here, and 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 you know he, he's extremely smart. I mean, the one thing about him is he's he's ahead of everything. I mean, he was ahead of analytics. Doesn't get a lot of credit for it. He was ahead of that when he plucked Eric Tulski, who's the uh, assistant general manager now of the Hurricanes, from the analytics department. Um, that was going back to 2014. So I mean, he was he was ahead of the game then. He's ahead of it now. He he will never tell you what's going on. You can't get any information out of him. But he has a plan, as did George. And and you know, and I think it will be well executed in a league where it is possible. It is possible to make some moves. And I know there's great commitment with ownership there too, which there is here. So that's the constant between the two markets that I see is ownership. Right, Bill Foley is been an all-in guy from day one, and that's the same situation in Seattle. You know, one more thing, maybe with Seattle coming in. You know, Montreal's playing here, an original six. We're going to be to thirty-two. The world's a smaller place, John. The year the kids grow up in Europe and Russia, and they want to play for the Stanley Cup. I mean, we're back in the day when, hey, Borea Solomon came over here. Look at this guy. You know, I mean, the world's a smaller place. This league couldn't be in a better spot. No, it can't be. In, it can't. It can't be in a better spot. And and it's only going to grow. And it's only going to get better. And um, and I think you know the unfortunate thing was the pandemic, as it was, as it has been for everything in life. Um, but I think the NHL will flatten out the cap for a time pe- period here, and then it'll spike again. And the fans will be back, and the fans will be uh, rejuvenated to be back, and that's what we're seeing. And, 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 and this has been a great experience to be around the playoffs this year, to see the people come back. And I'll never forget the first night in Boston they went to a full house, and it was a Saturday night on NBC. And, uh, and the faces of the people were not just excited because the Bruins, you know, pops are not going to hat trick and they're going to win game one in a big way. It was just that they were back together again, hugging each other, high-fiving each other, uh, breathing on each other. I mean, you know, it's uh, just we just pray that we're getting to that great place again. Um, but this is a huge step, and the, and the league will be fine. There's no question. John, I want to let you go here, but I got to ask you: compare, if you would, T-Mobile tonight. You know, it's loud. The music's blaring. The fans, it's nuts. Uh, it's an insane building. But when the Lightning end up going to Nassau County Coliseum. And they're winding that building down. It just—it sounds even unbelievable through the television. It's like a yeah. World Cup soccer game has broken out, yeah. and it's fan-driven. And how cool is it to be in that building now? Remarkable, and and it's 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 great. Um, I, I started the playoffs here, Game One, Minnesota series on that Sunday afternoon, half building, and it felt like it was full in a tremendous atmosphere. And I think game presentation-wise, the fans, the atmosphere, the city, um, everything about Las Vegas, you're going to have a hard time finding anything better. But that place is so archaic and has been through so much, you know, from the Fort Never Lose days of the glory years that they all harken back to now. But what about the in-between when it was really bad, when the Islanders struggled and there was a half-full, you know, some people call it the mausoleum, not the Coliseum, right? (laughs) And so... You know, but now it's back in a big way. Their fans have always felt disrespected. Their fans are getting their just due. It's an excellent team. I think they very easily could win the Stanley Cup. They are so well coached. 
They play such a great. They, they remind me of the Devils from many years ago, um, and and that's how they play. So you put that in an old barn with a low ceiling and unbelievable acoustics, and you're right. No smoke shows. No fortress. Yep. No, uh, you know, entertainment. Uh, you know, surrounding the game, just the fans and the hockey and an organist and some music too, but mostly the old organ chiming away. Gotta love it's it. It's an unbelievable atmosphere. It's really could, great. Could you imagine? That is the last one for you, bud. Could you imagine Vegas makes it back to the Stanley Cup final oh. and they go, oh my God, Barry trots again? <laughs> yeah. yeah. And he'll bring the same attack. He's got those kids playing great, uh, heavy. Strong defensive, swarming, forechecking. I mean, everybody's talking about the mismanagement of the puck at Tampa Bay yesterday and turnovers. Well, who's forcing the turnovers? Mm -hmm. It's the Islanders. And if that doesn't go away, they're going to have a tough time. And if Varley can match uh, Vasilevsky, they're going to be a tough out. There's no question about it. That team it has been under the radar. Again, it went to the Final Four last year. Um, you know, got blown out in the first game because they had to travel across the country and then made it a six-game series in Edmonton. Um, they're a good team. They're a great team. And and uh, that would be a tremendous series if it, if it gets to that point. John, we're real excited for you on the Seattle opportunity. And, you know, we'll be chatting with you down the road. But really looking forward to the call with you, uh, Joe Micheletti and Pierre. Have fun. This should be a great series. But as always, we greatly appreciate you making time for us. Anytime, Brian. Look forward to talking again. Thank John you. Forslund, NHL on NBC Sports, uh, NBC Sports Network, and I think he calls a great game. The Kraken fans have no idea how fortunate they no, are. No, he's, 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 he's one of the very best. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I love listening to man. Very informative. Doesn't get in the way of the game. He's fantastic. All right. So what do you think game one, pal? I don't know. I, I, this, this this is worrisome for me. I, I you know, again, I, human nature. I could see the Knights overlooking Montreal in this spot. I hope that's not the case. I do agree with what Mike Lewis said. Heavy forecheck, wear them out through this series. I think that's a that's a key point. I think the Knights do play best when they play in that North South game anyway. Oh, believe me, Montreal. They're all in on that front. I mean, you know, Montreal's. Well, okay, what's the key for Montreal? How do you beat Vegas? I mean, I think Montreal's got to do the same thing. I mean, you got to try to hammer Petrangelo and Theodore. And believe me, they get the guys can do it. I, I, but I think both teams should just, should not worry so much about the other team, but play their best game. And Montreal's best game is to back it in and just not allow you any goals. And then for, for Vegas, again, that north-south game. I think that's when they play best. Now, whether they'll do that tonight in front of all those screaming fans, they could get away from that. The one thing that's been really fun to watch, and Stone's remarkable, you know, and but I'm telling you, the chemistry of Marshall Carlson and Smith, not that it ever went away, but it's, it's at a kind of a peak right now. They're in a groove, okay. Yeah. But on top of that... It's one of them, or is reading the other guy. But whoever the guy away from the puck is, they are driving the net. Yes. I mean, that line has gone to the net as good as anybody, and they're not the biggest guys. No. But look who you're potting rebound goals because what? You're down by the blue paint. Yeah. So you got the chemistry brewing and that willingness to go down into the blue paint. 
it's really been fun to watch that line. It, it has. Um, Riley Smith's been down there, hasn't been able to get it in, and now they're starting to go in for him. So that's the difference there. Marchessault, with, with the timeliness of his goals, it's unbelievable. When they need a big goal, it's Marchie. And Carlson has really surprised me. You never see him at the front of the net. He's been there every time he gets a chance now. It, it, I, I am really, uh, like you, Brian, uh, amazed, I guess. I don't know. That, that, that line has really turned it up here lately. And, and, and again, you're right. They've played together so long now, they don't even need to look to, to see where the other guy is. They know where he is. So if, you've got, if you're against the boards and uh, you know, you're, you're throwing a puck out between your legs and not even looking, they know where it's going. They know, they know who's going to be there. Just, just fantastic hockey from, from that line here, here recently. Do you think about, by the way, I read this. Is it, this is true. The Vegas has more Canadian players than anybody. That I didn't know. That and, surprises me. But, I mean, you think about the guys that are going to be jacked going back up to Quebec. I mean, March zone, Carrier said it's going to be a hard, hard on his family. Right. I mean, for these guys to go play in that historic sweater. And, but, I mean, Fleury yeah. would be a, a rock star from a media perspective in this series. And it's Zoom City. You know, that's all you're going to get. Yeah, and, well, and he's got the personality uh, that that can handle that situation and enhance it. So, uh, so this is going to be fun series from from that aspect. You know, Patch Reddy's now here, Suzuki is now there, uh, that kind of stuff, and and Flurry, and uh, as you mentioned, the Canadian players uh, that are here on the nights. How Jack do you think? And he's a smart guy. He won't. I doubt he'll give any fodder. You think Pacioretty's chewing on nails to go against them? That's a really good question. I, I, I mean, an American guy being the captain up there. I mean, you know, he had anvils on his shoulders. Right. Was, that's a tough thing he went through. It was. And then who? Who? Well, was it Gabe Morenci? Yeah. In the first hour, said. Guy Lafleur, like even said, oh, they'll never win with Pacioretty, that kind of stuff. All right, I'm, I mean, I, Pacioretty could be a monster in this series. He could be, he he, he could be. I, 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 we've we've talked about Suzuki too. There'll be a little mo- motivation for him, not the same, but there'll be motivation uh, there for him. The, the, this oh, you, gonna... you think for ten seven? Listen, these guys all they find ways. To manufacture right. things. Some of it's fodder, but some of it's stuff guys say, you didn't want me, I'll show you. Yeah. And that comes back to haunt team something. I would think I would think Suzuki, and he's probably, he's loving life with the opportunity right. he has had now with this organization. Hmm. But I bet you he would have loved every second of being here, and he's going to go, eh, you moved me, huh? Yeah, yeah. Well, he's going to do that. No, there'll, there'll be some of that. You mentioned the Canadian players. Don't forget DeBoer is uh, from Canada. This could be a you know big series for him to beat the Montreal Canadiens if he can do it. Let's go to the phones. Mike's on the line, Vegas Hockey Island. Hi, Mike. You ready? And don't forget, don't forget Mark Andre in the shadow of uh, you know Montreal. Also, will be somewhat motivated, I'm sure. Absolutely, and, uh, but. But besides that, and in addition to that, it's so great to be healthy. Well, two things. Will we see Peyton Krebs, do you think, in this series? 
I would say no. I think it's possible, okay. but un, but unlikely. He's he, but the, you're right, Mike. They're they're getting healthier. This is weird in the playoffs for a team to actually be getting healthier as the playoffs have gone yeah. along. Oh, I'm I'm convinced. I really am. I, I wouldn't just dismiss it out of hand, but I think Krebs was actually part of the equation. I think he was too. at the beginning of the playoffs, and you know. So now, but now he's got the the rink rust thing. You know, he had been playing right along, and, and, and he looked great, and you get him in. That doesn't mean it's not possible, Mike, but I would say probably unlikely. Maybe if you're up 3-1 well, to I, one or something, you shove him in for the next series. You know, yeah, you're the one saying don't take him lightly. Uh, if you got somebody down one, you I'm, step on I'm, her neck. If that ha- I'm just saying <laughs> if that happens, maybe he gets in so that then he's more ready for the next series if they need him. Oh, I, I, I would look forward to seeing the kid get the opportunity. What else, Mike? And this is, out, this is out of left field. But in year one, everybody knew it as the Las Vegas hangover, and it became a legend in and of itself. Is it possible that a bunch of guys where the temperature never gets above 20 degrees centigrade come down to the States for the first time in a year and a half and have a chance to spread their wings and they're in Las Vegas that they don't discipline themselves properly? Is no, they're not, going, they're not going. No, the, the, the announcers have to stay in the room. They're not going to get a chance uh-huh. to spread yeah, their wings. Yeah, John Forslund just said even the announcers in Vegas, they, they, they are stuck in their room here So because they, they're going back up to Canada. So with the product protocols for them to get back into Canada, and oh, by the way, the heat thing, I mean, they're going to be outside like for 30, 30 seconds, seconds at a time. Yeah. They'll never know um, how hot it is. You know, so now that won't be a thing. Should be fun, Mike. We're looking forward to it. Um, game one, they're such big dogs. Game ones are quirky, Stevie. Yeah. I know, and I agree, for the meat of the series, I would envision Flurry and Price standing tall in a lot of low-scoring games. I don't know what it is. I don't know why you get a coaching change and teams going to run. Game one, the only thing I can think of. Now, the Islanders, Trotz totally went back to what they were. He threw a knuckleball at the Lightning yesterday. But generally speaking, both teams, we're going to play our game. So if you're trying to impose something, well, Trotz did impose something. He frustrated them and shut them down. Well, that's the Islanders against the Lightning. I think the Habs come in here and say they think they can have success against these guys. I think it's an up-tempo game tonight. Now, both of these goalies are playing at a really high level. But game ones are weird. I can see goals in this game tonight. I I think it's going to be an under, but I, I'm with you, Brian. Well, one thing we know, and, and Forslund brought it up, Montreal's got nothing to lose. They're, they are going to be loose. House money, as yeah, they say. Yeah, so so they're going to be loose. I, I think that they're going to be getting up and down the ice. Now, that could lead to goals for Vegas and, and push the over as well because of, there, there could be some open ice out there tonight. But I... I I, th- I think this this entire series is is tight, low scoring games. Um, we will see, but you know, yeah, that that house money thing. Th- this worries me about Montreal in this series is that they absolutely have nothing to lose. They, they're going to go for it. All right, let's take care of some stuff here. Spin the wheel at Taylor Herbs thousand dollar VGK game day giveaway today. John Smith subs ninety seven oh one West Flamingo. You go over there, say the hat trick special, say Vegas Hockey Island, 20% off a sub, fries, and a drink. Tomorrow, buy one sub, any size, get one free. Um, feed the family. 
And then Adam S. Kuttner on Twitter when they're on the power play and you get a chance to win tickets to a future Golden Knights game. And then the big boy, we're really excited about semifinal, game three, when they go to Montreal Friday night, Club Madrid. Now, 5 o'clock face-off. Well, 5 o'clock, it comes on the air. 5.20. Yeah. You're probably going to have to play a little hooky. Yeah, you're gonna have to get, you get, get out of work a little yeah, yeah. early. Come on, it's Friday. I think the bosses are going to be a little they're liberal not, on Friday. They're not going to have a problem with it. Not going to have a problem. Come on out. We got Grace Prize giveaways. Club Madrid, the reaction in the room, the the big screen, great prizes. It's going to be fun. Friday game three, hockey watch party, Club Madrid, Sunset Station. All right, we got we'll have great guests all week long. Uh, I think Dave Shane will probably join us on Wednesday. Okay. All right, and. Uh, the other Micheletti's working tonight. We should reach out to Joe. We should. We should see if Pat has some pull. I mean, he'll never come on the show because you're always calling Pat Micheletti your favorite Micheletti. Well, he'll, so I've got to pay for it. No. Hey, Joe, how you doing? Yeah. Would you like to come on the show? No, that guy with youth says my brother's his favorite Micheletti. Or maybe he'll come on to give it to me. Oh, there's, there's that possibility. Start elbows up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well done. All right. Thanks to John Forsman. We'll get the show up at sportsbookradio.com. Follow Stevie on Twitter at Stevie Slapshot. Follow me at Brian Blessing. It's going to be a fun week. Game one tonight at T Mobile Arena. TC and Ballpark are coming up next. Have a great day, everybody. Mm-hmm.